from Daylight. I'm Kazuki Akiba. I'm Brandon Beiser. And this is Sayonara Baseball. This is a podcast where you and I find unseen baseball gems by analyzing them alongside different trends, news, and motivation behind many moves around the league today. On today's episode, we'll discuss what's happened in the American League Wildcard and Division Series, as well as preview the ALCS. Welcome, everyone, to the postseason editions of Sayonara Baseball. I'm Brandon Beiser. Kazuki Akiba is here with me from an undisclosed location for I must garner from where he is right now. It does not look familiar to me. Uh, So we are coming to you somewhat live, I'll go with. Uh, We are taping our ALCS, our AL American League, and then our NL National League episodes in parts this year due to the schedule. Last year, we able to do it once doing it in parts this year. So today is just the American League. So we'll talk about everything that's happened so far. The wild card game between the Red Sox and the Yankees at Fenway. Then we'll move into the two division series and we'll finish off with a preview of the championship series, which starts on Friday night, the 15th. We'll start, we're gonna go right into it this year. We, we, I got no news other than the fact that the Yankees just fired three coaches. As I as I found out, so I came on to the I came on to air tonight. So that's that's the big news. Right? Wait, who are the three coaches? I only know uh, Marcus Tim's getting let go. I believe Phil Nevin got fired. Oh, that's perfect. They got like thrown out like almost every game. Well, that's a it's a perfect lead in today about uh, what's what's going to happen. In the, we'll start with the AL wildcard game between the Yankees and the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Well, I think we have to start with the fact that this was the most undramatic dramatics to get to this game. I mean, we had four teams that could have entered this game with some combination of permutations that look like Algebra 2 in high school. Uh, you could have had the, the Mariners, Blue Jays, the Red Sox, or the Yankees in some combination thereof. They had all these permutations left and right. Then what happened afterwards is we got no drama, and we ended up with the most predictable series of them all, the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I have to admit, I got both my teams wrong. Kazuki got the Red Sox right, at least, to say that. So we'll start with the fact that this game was two home runs and a bad outing from Garrett Cole. I mean, that's basically what the AL wildcard really was. The game started off with home runs by Bogarts and Schwarber for the Red Sox. Uh, I'm sure Chicago Cubs fans were thinking, this is great to know that our former star is now doing the same thing for another team. Chasing Garrett Cole after he completed two full innings and a little bit more. And then to Kazuki's point about Phil Nevin being the reason getting fired, Aaron Judge got caught stealing home on a great outfield assist by the Red Sox in the sixth inning in that game. Yeah, beautiful relay by Kike and uh, Bogarts uh, straight home. I still didn't understand why Judge got sent down. (laughs) I mean, in general, we'll get, but Fenway Park is a field like if it, the ball gets hit to left field unless it goes the opposite direction like why are you run it like why are you run on that ball basically center field into right field is run on everything and then we'll talk about running on everything and right field in the tampa bay series spoiler the the story of this game though is really nathan yavaldi i mean nathan yavaldi pitched a fantastic game five and a third innings pitch with eight strikeouts only on a single run for the Red Sox. I mean, it was perfect. It was perfect for them. They, all they had to do was, was win. And then Verdugo's three RBIs later in the game sealed the deal. That was, that was pretty much it. Uh, 
the bankroll of the Yankees didn't pan out, the bad base running, and the new the two acquisition players that have highlighted this team in the past two plus years got the win. I mean, that's that's that simple to, to really to not not to dwell on the point. Like that's what really did it for this team. Yankees bowed out. Aaron Boone's going to probably be the manager next year. I don't know what we'll do offseason stuff later on, but the 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 Red Sox with the the mishapness of that whole team, like stumbling into the playoffs, talk about teams stumbling the playoffs, and they win a game, and and then we'll go to the divisional round. I mean, like there's nothing really to say about that. Is it? Do you well, have any I, lasting I, comments yeah. about that game? I mean, other than the fact that uh, Yankees uh, got Pittsburgh Pirates Garrett Cole in uh, circa 2015 uh, NL wild card between the Cubs and the Pirates. Schwarber hitting a home run against Garrett Cole. How familiar is that? Um, and Nathan Neovati coming into form. A guy like we all thought he 300 miles per hour yet can't even strike anyone out is now striking people out. Um, so props to Nathan Neovati. And then the fact that Yankees anemic often showed up, like it's only what, two and a half guys hitting in that lineup. So there's no other stories outside of, oh, they can't hit. And if you can't hit and if you can't pitch, well, you're screwed. And, uh, and there's a there's a theme, I think, with the Red Sox we're going to see in this game and later on. If they have a good starter in that game, the bullpen can relax. And that I'm not sure is going to carry them as far as they hope to. But basically, that that's what I noticed. And it's kind of freaky to watch that. Because they used to be like, go to get to Barnes. And OK, Barnes has been terrible. Barnes was almost Barnes was left off this team during that round. An all-star was left off that round. And now he's back. But we'll get to that later on because uh, we're, we're, we're going to transition to the game that had no wild card teams involved in it. Uh, the first ALDS team round, which was Chicago versus Houston. And I think the, the setup for this is pretty simple. Dusty Baker, Tony Russa is the two most veteran managers in all of baseball felt like. They kept bringing up the fact that the pitching coach on one team was as old as the manager and the one pitching coach on the other team was not as old as the manager. So it was just like a battle of veteran veteran behavior, battle of experience. But before we get into the actual game, there was a news report that came out right before the series started. I want to get your quick opinion on this. The Astros left off Jake Odorizzi and the White Sox left off Keuchel. Can you give me an any legitimate reason just on its face before the season before the series started why you would leave off those pitchers? Well, Keiko simple. Uh, look at his uh, stat line this year. Like his ERA has been awful, and he's been awful against very good hitting ball clubs. So Keiko makes sense. That, that 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 there's 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 that one. That one makes a whole lot of sense to me. Just to get him, knock him away. Uh, Odorizzi, I don't know about that. The next, I don't know why. Well, Odorizzi, I think, has a lot of experience, but he also has a a concerning right. stat line. With that with concerning. But he's faced that team so many times as a twin. Right. And I think the problem is he's a ground ball pitcher. And if anything goes up. The White Sox are the most anti-ground ball team in baseball, it feels exactly. like. So we'll we'll go to we'll go to the games. The games in Houston were Houston beats you up, Houston wins, Houston wins big. Uh, that's my notes here. Uh, I will say that the thing that I noticed the most in game two is Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker has come into form so well this year in particular. He was not a, was he a member of, of the of the 2017 World Series team? I'm saying this with air quotes because I still hold a grudge 
No, uh, he came up in 2019, I think. He's um, no, he's a credible rookie. Like he has a really good prospect predi- uh, p- uh, pedigree. And then we have the other rookie is Jake Myers. Myers has been a great player with him too. Uh, so I think the two of them have been, and then the pitching for the the Astros has been just serviceable at that point. Like we'll we'll score a bunch of runs and then we'll just get in there. Uh, the the thing that I want to have your quick comments on is why do the White Sox like not, they seem like they should be winning every game by like tons of runs. Like they should score as many runs as the, as the Astros, especially in games one and two. If you think about just in concept, why do you think that's why they faltered so badly in that ballpark? I mean, I remember watching, they were up in game two. They were doing well in game two. And then I think it was, I want to say it's Garrett Crochet who blew it. <laughs> Or someone in that middle of that road, middle of that bullpen blew game two. So do you, why do you think, like, why they just bombed out? Because we'll see that again in game four. But in games one and two, and particularly in Houston, uh, as they pull up the box scores real quick, why do you think they didn't perform so well? I mean, the answer is pretty simple. Like, they've been playing at AL Central like with, like, a lot of non-competitive games. Like, you know, they faced the Twins, Indians, Royals. Detroit, I will leave it off because I think Detroit's pretty competitive uh, this year. So they paced a lot of like non-competitive team this whole season. So I don't think the guys were like mentally prepared to face any competitive like teams like the Astros. And if you even look at the season series, the Astros killed the White Sox. And it also has to do with the old school, you know, mentality of Tony La Russa, right? Like you didn't bring your best reliever when it was a high leverage situation. Like in that fourth inning in both game two and game four, Center Crochet, I would have brought in Liam Hendricks. Like Liam Hendricks is known to be a, that dude who will shut anyone down in a high leverage situation. And I think in bringing in Kimbrell, like as a setup guy, as has also been a mistake. He's a ninth inning guy. His mind doesn't work that way. So I think there's a lot of things that didn't mesh well once that trade, uh, you know, deadline acquisition came in. That kind of didn't work out. And, you know, Astros, they have a pretty good uh, pitching staff too. So like, you know, they broke up that bullpen. It was uh, having a Grayman and uh, Yemi Garcia. And then now you have a solid starting pitching of uh, McCullers Jr., uh, Urquidy, um, you know, a lot of the young staff, uh, uh, Framber Valdez, so Luis Garcia. I'll stop so. for a second there and I'll, I'll correct myself. It wasn't Crochet in game two. It was the Giolito pitch, not great, four and a third with about four innings for foreign runs. Crochet and Tapera actually pitched quite well. Crochet came in, closed out the fifth. Tapera pitched the sixth. No, yeah. And then Aaron Bummer, bummer to be a bummer, gave up the the massive home run that just went everywhere around the world, it felt like here in the seventh. He had the Alvarez, Correa, and then the Tucker bomb. Uh, and that's what I think is happens. Because if you look at the, the, the box, the, the scoring summary for game two, Chicago gets on top first, gets up top early, gets one run. Houston gets two. Chicago battles back. It's three more in the fifth. So they're up four to two after the top of the fifth inning. Then Giolito gets chased in the fifth with with Gurriel hitting a single, Altuve scoring, Bregman scoring, Alvarez the second. So now it's four to four 
after five. We go to the seventh. And Bummer is on the mound to start that inning, I believe. If I remember correctly, Bummer's on the on that mound to start the inning. And then all of a sudden, you get you get your wonderful little I'm pulling up the seventh inning. Cause like I said, this is a critical mo- notion here for the seventh inning. So Bummer's pitching, Altuve singles, Brantley strikes out, Bregman singles, Altuve to third. Then Alvarez goes, Kimbrell comes in, and Kimbrell gets a line out from Gurriel, Correa doubles to score, and then Kimbrell, who can't give, doesn't give up home runs apparently, gets absolutely smacked by Kyle Tucker and Crawford boxes, and it's 9-4 game over. And you can't go down 2-0 against them. Like, let's just be honest here. You're not going down 2-0 against the um, against the Astros in a series. You're going to win. I, I don't think you could win. Because then you go to game three. And well, game three is 12-6. White Sox. But we'll pull up the box score real quick on this one. So I want to remember something about this game because this game started out one nothing Chicago, then three five to one. It was five to one Houston. Now we're gonna go to the uh, Red Sox game, in a, the Red Sox series in a second. But this happened the Red Sox series because in this in this in the Red Sox series, this game turned it around. Chicago scored eleven runs in a and. The Houston Astros scored one in game three. Gar- both Garcias get chased. Granky comes in, doesn't do well. The, Dun Granky does actually do well. But Javier comes in and throws two and two thirds with six strikeouts to six pitches out of the bullpen. And then Stanek and Rayleigh gets rocked late. So that that's how you lose a game. I mean, you had homers, Kyle Tucker at home on. Speaking of Kyle Tucker is great for the Astros. Tucker, Myers, Tucker were the last series of runs scored in RBIs. And then Grandal, Garcia, Abreu, Jimenez, Vaughn, Garcia, Anderson. Like you're just having like just, it's just like a plethora of runs here for this team. We're going to see this again with the Red Sox. And I thought they had it. I thought the White Sox here could have like pushed it to a fifth game if by, by this type of margin. And what happens in game four after the rain out? They go another game in Chicago in the afternoon. And uh, spoiler alert, uh, the White Sox played terribly. It was after the up th- through halfway through the game, after the fourth inning, it was five to one. Sheets had the only run for the White Sox and then the Astros scored 10 unanswered. Correa, Maldonado, Bregman, Brantley, Brantley, and Altuve are your, are your RBI suppliers. I will say Brantley being an RBI supplier is big for them just because he's the most, he seems like the most veteran player on that team anyway for a, a lot of them. So I think that's, that's what did it. I mean, the, there's, you, you've made a note about questionable calls and balls and strikes a few times. 
uh, Len Casper, the uh, broadcaster for the White Sox, I think he could just tell this game's going to drag on because he he's such a enjoyable and, and you could tell like later in the game this was going to drag on. I listened to him when they call when during the game two uh, when the crochet to para bummer series of players came in and I switched to Bob Costas and it was the same thing. It's like this game's going to drag. It's well, you're going to score a lot of runs. It's going to sit and just kind of coast out and they coasted out and now they're in the championship series again. Uh, hats off to them. I think McCullers is going to lead the way again for their pitching, but hitting, there's no weak spot in their lineup, which I think we're seeing in this. Oh, uh, yeah. Sport. One through seven. Like, it's just an amazing. I mean, they let an OPS plus like this season and one through seven in that lineup. Like, there's no holes. Like, you can't get, get around them. They're going to make contact. And the crazy part about that team is not, it's not really home run line either. They, they no, which, which is really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. I brought up Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker hits a ton of home runs. They're massive. They ignite that crowd in Houston. But he doesn't have to do that. Michael Brantley doesn't need to hit home runs. He hits singles and doubles. Carlos Correa, he hits home runs, but he hits singles up. Jose Altuve is like fourth all-time now in postseason home runs, which blows my mind for his stature, but obviously he has a lot of pop in that bat. I honestly think who's going to win if, if they keep going. It's not that those big names, Correa, Altuve, they're going to push them forward in Bregman. It's going to be Brantley, Tucker, Myers, uh, and everyone else below them who's going to push them through. Maldonado stepping up is great because we know he's a good player. But I think that's where I stand on that team before we get the preview for that for the next series. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think ultimately it was a lot of timely hitting. They did not leave um, runners in scoring positions stranded while the White Sox did. Um, and they worked against very, very well. A lot of walks from the White Sox. And uh, of course, there were questionable uh, calls on both sides. Um, umpiring has been god awful this whole postseason. But um, that's another topic for another story. But Astros are making everything work. And, you know, they are coming back for that crown, uh, the piece of metal, as we, we say and 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 talk about chasing the crown again we'll we'll go to the next division series and that's the rays the 100 win rays and the stumbling onto your stumbling into tropicana field boston red sox because they really did stumble in the tropicana field in that first game shut out five nothing just completely shut out game one was all tampa bay like that's my one note i have no notes Game one was Tampa Bay playing Tampa Bay baseball. I'm just looking up quickly who started. Shane McClanahan started that game. Yeah, uh, the first two games were uh, done by rookies, McClanahan and uh, Shane Baz. Uh, They chased Rodriguez early, but not because he particularly was doing poorly. I think he just was setting himself up to do poorly. Uh. Because then we, and that game, I think was the game where we saw why Matt Barnes was added to the roster. Garrett Richards got hurt. And that invited Matt Barnes back into the party for later games. We'll see how that, that plays out later. But Pavetta, Taylor Adovina with later pitchers. But McClanahan, Chargua, Robertson, and we talked about him earlier this year for the Brewers. And this game, he was great. JP Fireisen. Like he came in, did his job. In terms of the hitting for game one. Wander Franco, man. 
we're forgetting the most obvious person, the the flying sensation. He's stealing home, baby. Randy. Randy Rosie. Yeah. Randy Rosarina stole home, blind stole home on, on a play. Uh, he was fired up after that play. I mean, great for him. I mean, Nelson Cruz had a great home run. That was typical Tampa Bay baseball. Just get that over with. And then game two. Yeah, what that, happened? <laughs> that was typical Tampa Bay baseball in the first inning. Because who would they chase? They chased Chris Sale right out the building. And then, uh, what happened? <laughs> the bullpen fell apart. <laughs> Shane Baz, or Colin McHugh and Matt Whistler each gave up at least two earned runs. And it got worse of, and yep. worse. And then Michael Walker comes in. Michael Walker, what the hell what happened to Michael Walker? <laughs> Michael Walker's stat line for this game was a 20 ERA on two and two-thirds innings with nine hits, six earned runs, and four strikeouts. What happened? I don't know. Um, one, one theory is conspiracy, but sign stealing. That's one. The um, other is... Um, allegedly. 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 Reportedly right. and allegedly. Let's, let's caveat that. And our, to, to our dear our dear friend, Katie Nolan, remember, making an accusation... You don't know the substantiation. You got to put allegedly in the front. Allegedly, Fine. they stole signs. Allegedly, allegedly but we they not stole cur- signs. We'll, we'll stay away from that. But, but we'll, we'll, I'll say this: JD Martinez is a great hitter. So I oh, I think JD adapted. Martinez. JD Martinez is three-run home run. Set them over the top because right. so we go through the the scoring pattern after that first inning because Jordan Luplo just hit a grand slam in the and you've been in the trop. A, a Jordan Luplo grand slam probably put that I mean, decibel levels be heard in, actually in Tampa. Bogarts, Verdugo, Hernandez all hit solo home runs. Then Martinez hits a three-run home run. G-Man Choi tries to sidle back with a little bit with a, a home run. Then Vasquez hits a single. Devers hits a home run. Vasquez reaches an infield single. How can Christian Vasquez reach an infield single? Like that's, He's a surprisingly speedy guy. He, I mean, he I will stole say a lot that, of bases. Okay, I take that back. He, that was an interesting. And then her and Kike finishes it off the 14-6 win. We saw this in the Chicago series. Like this should, and, and we thought Chicago would, would take it from here. Uh, I think this game was like the flaw to the flaw to the computer kind of thing. Like the virus hit the computer. Uh, if you're going to run an analytics and run all these pitchers exactly as you wish, if you blow up, if you hit, if you hit, if you get that one bug that's going to just tip that the wrong way, it's this. And I think that's what did it in. They did it did it in because the games. Three and four, it was pretty clear it was about to happen because after game two, we had the roster change, allowing Matt Barnes to appear. Richards will be out until at least the end of the ALCS. Game three goes into extras. Tampa Bay's classic pitching day shows its form with no pitching over 40 total pitches in the game. I want to double check that. Because someone, I found that stat, double check it, but I believe no Tampa Bay pitcher won Robertson through 40. Everyone else was 30 or 40 or lower. Rasmussen pitched 33, and then all they pitched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pitchers in that game, throwing a total of 173 pitches. 
went to 13 innings in that game. Ivaldi pitched another gem of a game, going five, going along only two earned runs allowed. Again, five and a third, eight Ks. Kike and Kyle powered the Red Sox again. Wander Franco show why he's Wander Franco. But then we start seeing the cracks in the mold as they got later in the games. The one thing that I wrote down was Tampa Bay went one for nine with runners in scoring position. And, and then we see the wildest play I have ever, one of the wildest plays I've seen in, in my recent memory. So for those of you who remember the game, I'll describe it as I, re, as I recall it. But if you can't watch the highlight, the Kevin Kiermeyer is at up to bat. And Fenway Park is shaped not like a traditional outfield. It is a straight line for the wall, for the monster, a very awkward, deep corner in center. And then you get a, like a dia- like a slight diagonal hypotenuse, like a slight diagonal triangle, like type barrier for right field, which is a very low wall. Remember Jay Buhner pummeling over it in his day. And then the curve for the pesky pole. Kermit, it's a double to right field. Hunter Renfro is going back on that ball. as like, he is going to let that ball hit the bullpen. And he does not stop running. The ball hits in front of him and it like like a pinball machine hits him and it literally hits his body and just flies over the bullpen. And everyone kind of freezes. Like, what do you do? I immediately thought it was a ground rule double. But then they have to go to the rule book and check all these things. And it wasn't ground rule double from whence the ball occurred this is the scenario it was from the time it was hit yandy diaz would have scored if it was the former if it was based on the play there are certain things with based on like if the if renfro would have taken the ball and thrown it in himself it would have been a scoring play yandy yandy diaz scores kiermaier goes to third i think i'm actually going to second or third on the play but it was a ground goal from the bat, from the at-bat position. So that means Kiermaier goes to second, Diaz goes to third. Nobody scores. Innings over after that. Nobody scores. Bottom of the 13th inning, Christian Vasquez is up with a man on. And no one expected this to come. <laughs> and then the monster. He hits a bomb. Game over. And I would say that would demoralize me a little bit, but we know that's not going to demoralize the Rays. It was as the it was as described in the book. Like you can't change the rule, like unless you want to petition the rule and do everything. Like they literally like open like they open the rule book in the game and they called it. Like you called it as it is. Uh, but that's really marred Game Three a little bit. Like that one play was otherwise a fairly con- a very competitive game. And you go to Game Four, and we're doing this all over again. Game four was another go-to-the-brink type of game because the final score of that game, went to, we went to nine innings, bottom of the ninth inning. Rodriguez pitches a much better game than he did the first time in Tampa. Colin McHugh starts. He pitches fairly well. And it was like, the, it was like switching bodies. Rodriguez at game one became McClanahan in game four because Shane McClanahan's line 
two-thirds of an innings pitch. Five hits, five earned runs. A big zero for strikeouts. What happened? The Devers homer, the Verdugo double, J.D. Martinez singles. It is nothing in the bottom of third inning. And we saw this with Houston. <laughs> if you get up, you got to hold the lead. And the, what, 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 had, what was the best thing ever for this team, the, the bullpen utterly falls apart for the Red Sox. I will say, after I brought Matt Barnes coming in this game being like a savior, Alex Cora will never go to him. Like he's like, (laughs) he's untouchable. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't go get him. He's like, he's literally like, just like a spot on the roster. They come back. Meadows gets, knocks in a run. Wander Franco again. Kevin Kiermaier again. Ron Rindos Reina. Two of the ninth inning. Our buddy JP Fire Eisen is pitching. And they, but remember, I think the most critical play, and they pointed it out, was they pinch ran and put Danny Santana at second. He moves over to third. Kike comes up and Kike knows exactly what he's got to do. I don't have to hit up. I don't have to hit up. Get on base. I got hit a fly ball to center field. Fly ball to left field. Hits a fly ball deep enough into left center. Makes a play on the ball. Sack fly wins the game. Six five. Done. Series over. Series over. And I think it's, it's when Tampa Bay wins, they win in the most beautiful, cool fashions. When they lose, it looks ugly. And they lost three games ugly. You lost the game, got getting blown out. You lost the game by sparing nine pitchers and just getting burnt to the 13th inning. And and then a Weird play never see in baseball. And then this game, you come all the way back for them to lose on a sack fly after a pinch runner. And that's it. Like that, that's what it is. I know you mentioned that Ron Culpa should never be calling games anymore. <laughs> uh, he, he is the worst umpire out there. He has been, he was less than stellar according to your numbers here. Uh, controversial third strike call, Wander Franco. He, his... The way he called the game lent itself to boss wing by one. Boss yeah, crucial one. one run. Yeah. By one. Uh, his inside zone, outside zone accuracy was less than stellar, according to umpire scorecards. And he is ranked very low on the umpire scorecard rankings. So, yeah, I, I, that's, I, I'll leave it at that. I mean, it was pretty clear that, yeah, there were some weird, wacky calls in this series. But what really won this, I think Boston won this series, yes. But Tampa did not play, did not exert their winning strategy as they did last year. Because and I, yeah. that's why I remember last year. They were fun to watch when they won. But when they lost, it was, it was, it was not fun to watch or listen to. And this year, it just looked after that game where they got fourteen to six. Done. I'm, 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 I lost interest almost, other than these crazy plays. 
Right. And I think that's Tampa Bay baseball, right? It's beautiful when it's executed well. It's ugly when it's not. It's like an Excel model, unfortunately. And it probably is ran by Excel simulation. Uh, I think one critical element that I think lacked in this Tampa Bay team compared to last year's World Series run, they're starting pitching. They did not have They had a no strong... starting pitchers. And I say that with all the all the appreciation for how Kevin Cash and that front office can do it. Shane McClanahan is a good young pitcher. If he's going to lead your team to the World Series, that's a heavy lift for that man. Because we're going to talk tomorrow about a team that was lifted by their former ace, Mr. Charlie Morton, Atlanta Braves. We, we, we know who won now. It's Thursday night. We know Atlanta's in. But this year, they just they were they were throwing like everyone they could in the bullpen. Like they pitched nine pitchers in games back to back nights. It felt, it, that that's that's sustainable if you do like one to two innings of pitch, which they do. But it's also the way I think about it is if you're like trying to make cut changes to something in your home, it's like I'm gonna change things nine times. Like I'm gonna. It's like you make a recipe with nine ingredients. You have to remember all nine ingredients in a certain order, in a certain place, in a certain. It's like. That can be for, for certain types of men, mentally, it's overwhelming at times. I think that's why I think did it. It's like I think that strategy works so well and it works right, but when it work, when it doesn't help, when it doesn't get you that far in that positive sense, it's gonna blow you. And they and they right. blow, and they got blown out. Yeah, I mean, all their arms were tired. Like, like at the whole season, once they lost uh, Glasnow, because um, he was the workhorse in we that rotation. We have no Tyler. We have no Chris Arch. We have nobody. We have no starters except Shane. I think that's a really hard lift on him. Like, like I said, we'll close that out. We are now, after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to preview a series between our audience knows this, two teams that we frankly do not like. <laughs> But Ever. we'll do our best. We'll try to be a little bit, we'll probably be fair. Uh, coming after the break, we're going to preview the American League Championship Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. Welcome back. Time to preview the American League Championship Series uh, between two teams that we have been less than complimentary about this entire season. Led by Alex Cora, former bench coach of the Houston Astros, against the man, Dusty Baker, who came in to purify the, the Astros. I'm going to say that very lightly. Dusty Baker's a fantastic manager in baseball. But that's what we have here. We basically have, like, rotten versus rotten. <laughs> it's like it's like, it's like like uh, spoiled meat versus spoiled. It feels like it makes you feel icky to talk about this. Uh, but, but we'll talk I will about say I, I will say this. I'll give credit to the Red Sox. They were last place last year, and Heim Bloom, the GM of the Red Sox, he built a pretty good team. I still think they made the wrong trade the trade deadline, but you know what? They won, and they iced Matt Barnes. That's just a. That's a it's just I'm gonna keep bringing this up to our to our audience, our lovely audience. How can you ice a guy who is an all star? He went. He became terrible, and then they iced him out of the lineup. Yeah, iced an all-star. But hey, we get to watch Kyle Schwarber smack baseball every we night. Get to, we get to watch Kyle Schwarber, Xander Bogarts, Alex Verdugo. All come, and J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez in the revenge game in that stadium. Oh, that just makes, it just makes you feel good. 
So we have the Red Sox traveling to Houston for games one and two. And then we start we start the rotation. So game best of seven series now starting Friday night, October 15th at, I believe, 8.07 p.m. My first impressions of this series are that I think Houston's pitching needs to needs to really pick it up and keep and keep that keep their pace. Uh, I say that with the top of the pitching, the colors, Valdez, Garcia, and then I say that from our our dearly departed Mariner friend, Kendall Graveman. I think that that anchor he is the anchor to that team. Him and Brian Presley, if they can get from top to bottom, because we know the bats will take care of everything for them. That's my initial impression of the Astros. What about you? I agree. It's all from the starting pitching. I think the both of them are very similar teams. Very explosive offensively. Uh, was the decent starting pitching options and bullpen. It's just a matter of pitching at this point. And you're right. McCullers is the key. If he's not, if he doesn't have a stuff, they won't do well because it's just about smacking bats and the bullpen needs to hold up. Stanek, Grayman, uh, Yimmy Garcia and Presley. And, you know, they could probably go that piggyback option again, right? Where they could bring in like Urquidy or um, Grinky right after starter, if the starter could only go three innings. So I think it's a lot about matchup and strategy. And if they can master that, I think Houston has a great advantage, but so, I'm not saying the Red Sox doesn't, but. So entering this series, uh, game one is uh, Frambler, Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez will be pitching for the Astros game one. So two lefties, because we'll talk about Chris Dale in a moment. Uh, injury report puts uh, McCullers and Myers on the injured report for day-to-day injuries currently. That's what we see currently from the Astros' perspective. I will say that the Tucker, Myers, Brantley bunch, and how Even can I forget? And Jordan Alvarez leads that team in home runs. I forgot him several times, but that can do it for them. That could win. You could sweep them easy. However, the somewhat pluckyish type Red Sox, we'll go to them now. I have vastly underestimated Bogart and Raphael Devers. And I will say that with all the can all the all the all the honesty in the that I can offer at this moment. They are sensational for that team. Add in Verdugo. Add and add in Kyle Schwarber, and you have power and, and you have finesse and power in that thing. And then you add the wild card, the X factor of that team. My choice for that team X factor is JD Martinez. Because when he's on, he's hitting home runs left and right. He's playing great baseball. When he's off, he's literally non existent. I actually have one X factor that I think will surprise you. It doesn't have to do with power at all. I think. This player is the key, and my my key is Kike Hernandez. Ah, I yes. Kike Hernandez was, was the key for the, re- the Dodgers. How can I forget him? How could I not acknowledge yeah. that? Power? If he can't get on base, and if he can make stellar defense, it's going to be a long night for the Astros. I think Kike is a very dynamic player, and you know, there's a reason why he's on a two-year deal, and I think he'll bring a lot to that plate. Uh, and if he's a table setter, along with Verdugo, you know, Astros will have a lot, a lot of hard time because you're going to have Bogarts, Devers, and Schwarber just knocking in everything. I will say the, the concern about the Red Sox is they have to score a lot of runs to win. They can't win close games. 
like low scoring close games, like three runs, four runs. They have to get they have the games that they've won in the playoffs. So from the Yankees game on, they've hit they've scored at least six runs. Granted, the Astros have also scored at least six runs every game, even the ones that they lost. So this game could either be very just out of hand very quickly, or it could be a dogfight. Yeah, and, gonna... and, it, and it comes down to managing that bullpen, like you said, at the end of the day. And who has more depth? I still think the Astros have way more pitching depth than the Red Sox because Red, Red Sox right now, you have to rely on like Nick Pavetta to close games. And, you know, Adovina, Willock, they can't be pitching every day. So, like, who you're going to go after, after and that? Like I said, I'll, I'll, we'll end, we'll, we will conclude our thoughts on the game itself before we make our prediction now. Because remember, Alex Core is not going to Matt Barnes. He's on ice. He is on ice. All right, prediction. To end, the, to end our show today, predicting, what do you got this series going? For American League Championship Series. Uh, I will say this with part of my heart. I'm just going to be disappointed, but I think it'll be Astros in six. Houston is just a juggernaut, and they're going after that ring. They, I think they, will, they could do it. I will say Astros in six as well. I think they win both games in Houston, and I think they lose at least one game in Boston. And then the, 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 the I can't predict beyond that. That's what I think. So what we'll end our show here, remember our next episode will be this exact format for the National League. We're taping this on Thursday night, so we're still waiting the final result of game five between the Giants and the Dodgers. And Come back for our next episode. We'll do the National League. Get you prepared for the NLCS here on Sayonara Baseball. That's it for this episode of Sayonara Baseball. This episode of Sayonara Baseball is hosted and produced by me, Kazuki Kiba, and Brandon Beiser. This episode was edited by Kazuki Kiba with additional research by Brandon Beiser. Our theme song is by Kay Margus. Sayonara Baseball is a production of Daylight and Media 3 Limited. We'll be back with another episode. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast as more people will know about this show. Go to daylightinteractive.com to see some exclusive updates and more about our upcoming shows. I'm Kazuki Akiba. And I'm Brandon Beiser. And this has been Sound Art Baseball.